0: I'm excited to, we're going to do a standalone, really wrap up message about what we've been talking about, praying about, fasting for the last three weeks. We've been talking about the power. We've been talking about the, and we've been talking about the power, peace, and provision of God's goodness in our lives. And we said, man, what could happen this year if God would pour out his power, pour out his peace, pour out his provision on our lives? And we prayed and we fasted. And I hope you gave God everything that you had to give him. Because if you didn't take shortcuts and you you challenged yourself and you pressed in when it got hard, I promise you God blessed you. Can I get an amen? amen? But I think it's natural for us when you run a race, you complete something, you finish something. And it's like, praise God, hallelujah, I finished. And what now? Right? What now? What do I do now? And so that is the title of our message today. And so I hope, like I said, you ran hard, you prayed hard, you fasted hard, and congratulations, you finished, you completed something, but what? Now, what are your next spiritual steps that God has for you. So I'm excited to talk about that today. I want to say, if you fasted from meat the last 21 days, praise God, have a steak today, right? <laughs> or praise God, get you some some chicken wings. Guys, are, 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 are bon- let's settle the debate. Are, are boneless chicken wings real wings? No. no, God. see, I think so. Get you some real chicken wings, according to Shondor, with the bone inside. If you fasted sweets, man, get you a candy bar, right? Make a cake. If you fasted from, from TV, watch a movie. If you fasted from social media, make a post. But, somebody say, but, what? don't throw away all that God's done. Celebrate, get up, and keep moving. Because I have a sneaky suspicion that the good things God has Started in you these last 21 days. He may be not done working yet. And so we don't fast and pray to lose weight. But maybe one of your goals this year was, was to lose 15, 20 pounds. The crazy thing is when you fast and pray, you actually begin to lose some weight. So maybe this last 21 days, maybe you find yourself, oh you know, my gosh, you stepped out. I lost 5 pounds. Because you didn't eat junk. And so... Maybe this is the, the stepping stone of God wanting to cultivate a healthier lifestyle for you for the rest of this year. So celebrate, but don't jump off the deep end, right? Don't throw away the good things that God has done. So before we get started, I want to open the scriptures with you. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 26, and so this is a, 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 a passage of scripture, Jesus is speaking and, and teaching, and we actually use this, this scripture when, in, in, in our encounters as we teach and preach on the power of deliverance. But the Lord was just showing me, a lot of us, this last 21 days, we've cleaned this house, right? We've cleaned this temple, I hope and pray that's what you've done. You've purged some evil things, some bad things. you put some things down. And so Jesus is giving us some words of wisdom, but also some words of warning. So when I say celebrate, as we break fast, but be careful. Say that with me. Be careful. All right, let's look what Jesus says here. Look at verse 24. Jesus says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest, but it finds none. And then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns to find that former home is all. What does it say? Swept and what? And in order. The evil spirit leaves that person because it's been purged. It's been it's been fasted and prayed for. It's been, it's been released. It goes. It can't find an, a, a new home. So then it comes back to its former home and it finds that home swept and in order. And then that spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter that person and live there. And get this. And so that person is worse off than before. And so when I say be careful, if you fasted sweets for 21 days, you could go on a bender, <laughs> right? Me coming from addiction, I get, I get that, that addictive personality, that addictive tendencies that our flesh has. So God began a good work. And now as we break fast, we celebrate, you have a choice. You swept, you cleaned, you got this house in order. So keep it that way. Keep your house in order, not just the first 21 days in January, but keep it clean in February and March and April and May till you get to December. I feel like the Lord was showing me many Christians, they fast and pray one time a year. When the church does. We live in the Bible Belt. Most every faith-filled church fasts and prays in January. And then a lot of believers, what God did in them for 21 days, they just stop. They go on a bender. They sweat, they clean, they got their house in order, and then they just stop cleaning. Who's got kids? Nobody today? Man, y'all are being shy today. I know we're sparse on attendance, but we got two boys, right? Two and a half in nine months. And it is crazy the amount of stuff you will accumulate in your house. I have no room in my living room anymore. Their toys have taken over. And every single day, guess what we get to do? We get to clean our house at least three times a day. In the morning, after they get done playing, before they have their snack and go on their nap, then you clean again. And then at the end of the day, we clean. Let me spiritualize this for you. How crazy would it be if we just decided, you know what, we're just not going to clean anymore? Every day, we're just going to leave the mess. And it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and we're just done cleaning. That'd be kind of nutty, huh? You probably want to have a lot of company at your house because your house would be a wreck why would believers they clean their house they sought God in real prayer they sought God in real fasting they got rid of some real junk and now they're just gonna jump off the deep end and they say you know what I'm not gonna read my Bible no more I'm not gonna pray no more Pastor Ian said we broke fast guess how messy your house will look come December if you don't stay in your word every single day From now until then, if you don't get plugged into a church, how messy will your house be in December? Could look pretty messy, right? So be careful. Staying clean is a daily chore. And an empty house is a dangerous house. Let's look at that first point today. You don't want to leave your house empty. You need to remove and replace, right? You remove the bad things, and you replace them with good things. An empty house is not a good house. A clean house is good, but you need to fill it with stuff, right? So maybe you fasted from sweets. I bet you found a way to replace those cravings you had with something that would not break your fast, right? So you're fasting sweets, but you said, you know what? I can have yogurt, right? You're removed, but then you replaced with something good, something better. And so we need to spiritually do that. We can't just clean a house and just keep it empty. You need to be filled with him and his plan and his purpose and his provision and his power and his peace. Right? Look at that first point today. So if you cleaned your house this 21 days, then keep it that way. To have real victory this year, you will need a plan. Somebody say plan. Not just a good plan, but God's plan. No game plan means game over. You need a game plan. You can't just wing your faith. You can't wing it. Not if you want to be successful. Not if you want to win. Not if you want to get better before you get worse. Not if you want to be more free. Not if you want to have more peace. Not if you want to have more power. Not if you want to have more provision. Not if you want to hear clear from God. You can't just wing it. You need to have a plan. So what now? What next? Pastor Ian, you need to have his plan. You need to write it out. Write your prayers. Write your goals. God, I feel like this is what you're showing me, where I'm in, where the season I'm in. God, how do I get there? God, how do we, me and you, get there? And I promise you, if you take the time to do that, get real, get honest with God, he'll begin to download to you his magnificent plan, his purpose, and even some of the details on how to get there. What's next? What now? Trust God. If you could trust him for these last 21 days, how much more do you need to trust him? Because without his game plan, it's game over. Without his game plan, it's game over. You need a plan. I would challenge you to be committed to your church attendance this next year. What if you said, you know what? I'm not going to wing my faith. I'm going to be at church every single Sunday apart from taking vacations, apart from a major tragedy. I have had people tell me some crazy reasons on why they don't make it to church. It's raining outside right now. You can hear it. You can hear it, right? People tell me, "Oh, it was raining. I bet you make it to work when it rains. You know what? I bet you make your kids go to school when it rains. Guys, what kind of example are we setting in our homes for our kids when you're the leader of the home and It's Sunday and it's raining outside and you're like, guys, you know, we're just going to stay home today. Well, why are we going to church, dad? It's raining. What kind of value did you just place on the church for your kids? Be committed to your faith this year, to your attendance in church. Be committed to the discipleship track that you're on. Are you discipling yourself every day in the word? Are you getting in relationship with others? People that know more about the word than you, somebody that can teach you and show you truth. Have a game plan for being in a small group or joining a team. Have a game plan for that, that thing that you're praying and, excuse me, believing for. Because this is what I know successful people consistently do the thing that others do occasionally. Successful people consistently do the things that others do occasionally. If you occasionally read your Bible, if you occasionally go to church, if you occasionally pray, if you occasionally fast, not only are you not going to be successful, but maybe you're not a real believer. Because this is what I know. You will make time for the things that you love. You'll make time for watching that new release on Netflix. You'll make time for scrolling your phone. You'll make time for fill in the blank. Because you love those things. If you love God, you'll make time. And so I don't want to just preach, hey, peace, power, provision, success, I want to preach your soul into heaven. Because if you don't love God, guess where you ain't going to go? You're not going to find yourself in heaven. You're not going to find yourself in heaven because you loved all the things the world had to offer more than Him. What profit a man that gained the whole world to lose his soul? What now? What next? Trust in Jesus. Trust His plan. Have His game plan. I want to challenge you a little even further. If this is the only time that you fast every year, ask God, fast at least one day a week. Now, you don't got to go all out like we just did. Maybe you fast lunch that day, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, Pastor Ian generally fasts from something. I may not, may not eat lunch that day. I may not eat all day. I may just do liquids. And I always fast no matter what. If I'm going to preach and give the word, I never eat. So every Sunday I don't eat until I get home or until after church. And we say, Pastor Ian, you're a pastor. That's your job. Jesus said, when you fast and when you pray. He didn't say, when you fast and when you pray, you pastors. No, he was talking to everyday folk. Because fasting and praying comes out of the abundance of relationship. You'll fast and pray because you love God. And so I want to challenge you. Pick a day every week where you say, you know what? I'm going to to use this day to fast from something and pray pray harder. I'm going to fast and pray this day every week. And watch God move in your life. Watch God speak in your life. Amen. I want to talk about plans for a second. Is that okay? Let's look at Jeremiah 29 11 through 13. Before we read it together, I want to share this is my life verse. I remember being addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol in a men's living home called Teen Challenge all the way back in 2009. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know, I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't know who he really was. And I remember. I had a mess of a life, right? You've heard me tell this story. Didn't have anything. I had a bag of clothes to my name. One night in my bunk, I was there, I think it was my first week still. I'm playing Bible bingo, basically. Anybody ever done that? Bible bingo. Just open up the pages and just find something. Well, praise God, God blessed my Bible bingo that night, and I got led to Jeremiah 29 11. And this verse, the very first time I read it, Ian didn't know that this is a world-renowned verse that's on coffee cups and, and and Bible bags. And no, God used this verse to speak to me. Ian needed some hope. Ian needed a plan. And it was the first time I ever opened God's word, and his word came alive. And not just alive, it leapt from the pages into my heart. And I grabbed hold of this verse, and, and it was so real to me that I began to write it out that night, that moment, and I, and I learned that verse. Because I said, I can grab hold of this. And so this year, what next, what now? You need some hope. Anybody need some hope? What next, what now, Pastor Andrew? You need a plan. And you need God's plan. I want you to know that he has a plan for you. Look at what it says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Amen. Come on, can I get amen on that? They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I want you to underline that if you're following along in your Bible or on your phone a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I want you to look at that next point for today. God has already wrote your perfect story. Did you know that? So if he's wrote your perfect story, if he has a plan and a hope for you, are you living it? Are you living in that perfect plan for your life? Look what that that next point says. It says to truly know God's hope. And to live in His perfect plan, you have to seek Him every day and in everything. One person is following along. Without Him, you lack a firm foundation that can stand. God wants you to seek Him every day and in everything. God said in Jeremiah 20, 11, I have a purpose, a plan, and a hope for you, not for disaster, but for good. In those days... When you search for me, he says, wholeheartedly, you'll find me. If you search for God everywhere and in everything, you'll find him. If you search for God for a breakthrough in your finances, you'll find him. If you search for God everywhere and everything in your relationships, you'll find him. He'll show you the godly way to do things. He'll show you the godly way to live. He'll show you the godly way to respond. He'll give you you the words to respond in a godly way. But you have to search for him wholeheartedly. Some of you guys, you gave it your all this last 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I bet if you did that... You've probably had some moments where you were reading your Bible or you were praying or when it got hard, you were, you were really tempted. You were, you were fasting from sweets and somebody at work, you never get offered stuff, but they offered you a, a fresh baked cake or something, right? That, that always happens, right? Like, I'm fasting from this thing and I'm getting temp, tempted left and right. And, and I bet if you did that and you gave God your all, you have said, you have thought, you know what, I've never heard from God more loudly, more clear. I've never felt his presence more tangible in my life. And it's because you were searching for God with everything and in everything. And you experienced his presence and his love in a a more real way. Because, guys, that's what faith is supposed to be. Faith is not something that we just turn on, turn off. God wants to be in real walking relationship with you every day. So if God has a hope and a plan for you, He has something for you to accomplish. He's written a story for you. You're the star of that story. And what does God have laid before you? Some amazing things. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you to be a blessing. He wants to use you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world and the hope of Christ if you believe in Jesus. Does anybody believe in Jesus? Is Jesus anybody's Lord and Savior? Amen. Praise God. If He's not today, I promise you there's going to be a moment where you can surrender your life to Him. It'll be the best decision you ever made. right? But to truly know God's hope and to live in His plan, His perfect plan, you have to seek Him every day and in everything. Because if you don't, you'll lack a foundation. And when when storms come and tests come and trials come and offense comes and offense will come and doubts come and fear comes and anxiety comes, if you have not built your house on the foundation of Christ, you will fall. And be careful because if other folks are depending on you, if you're a leader of the home, if you're a business owner, other people are dependent on you. Guess what? It's not just about you anymore. If you fall, they fall. So I hope and pray you are building a foundation on Christ. Because if you build it on Him, guess what? It'll stand. Look at Matthew 7, 24 through 27. This is Jesus speaking also. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Is your foundation today on the rock. If your foundation is on the rock, you can have peace in the storm. If your foundation is on the rock, you can have His power in the storm. If your foundation is on the rock, you can have His provision in the storm. Look at verse 26. But, said it with me, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, streams rose, winds beat and blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and try and say that I'm perfect because I'm far from that. I'm probably the last person that should be the pastor at Liberty Church Holly Pond. And I'll tell you this, Ian has fell over and over and over and failed over over and over and over again. But the Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times and get up eight. And I can only get up when I fail or when I miss it because Jesus is my rock. Can I get an amen? Amen. If Jesus is your rock, you'll find the strength to get up. Because your foundation, your home is built on him. And you can trust him and his plan, and his foundation. If you've built your life on the rock, you can trust him. So stay committed to him. Stay committed to him beyond this 21 days. That new thing that he's started, it says that he's faithful to see to completion. So stay committed to him and his plan, and his process. And his process. Look at that next point. So guys, to have victory, to remain standing when it gets hard, to to remain staying focused when you can't hear or decipher truth, when you're bombarded with thoughts and lies, will require you to stay filled. Y'all say that with me. Stay filled. In order for you to to stand, you need Jesus. You got to build your life on Him. But you also need to stay filled Right? Get this, your fuel source is always more faith. Your fuel source is always more faith. You don't need a bigger faith. You just need greater belief habits. When your car is running on empty, what do you do? You go to the gas station. right? You need some gas. Otherwise, you're going to fail. You ain't going to make it. That car can't fulfill its purpose if it's running on E. What do you do to your body when you're running on E? You eat, right? Your body needs energy. Your body needs a fuel source. And what is it? It's food. Guess what else needs a fuel source? Your spirit man and your spirit woman. And so many people are running on E. They wonder why they're scared. They wonder why they're filled with fear. They wonder why they're anxious. They wonder why they hate other people. They wonder why no one likes them. And it's because they're spiritually running on E. Instead of running on E, Jesus says, run to me. If you run to me, you will be filled. Jesus says you will receive power. When my spirit comes. If you feel like you're running on E, have you been in your Bible that day? If you feel like you're running on E, is there something that you're trying to hide from God? If you're running on E, is there something that you're ignoring? A hurt, an event, a habit, an offense. Is there something that needs to be brought out of the darkness into the light? Your remedy for running on E is always more faith. Jesus fills us with his Holy Spirit, but I need to be filled by the Holy Spirit by faith. And the question to every answer that you have is always more faith, more Jesus, more truth, more word, more quiet time, more prayer, more fasting. The more I give, it's like anything else. The more I can give to God through my faith, the more I receive. The better I get. The more he cleans me, the more he purges me and takes out the evil and puts in the good. He removes the impurities, the sin, the evil thoughts, the secret desires. He removes and he replaces with good things. Things that will give you real contentment. Real peace. You're trying to escape and and mask and put band-aids over spiritual wounds and spiritual issues and spiritual hurts. and God says, if you can run to me, I can fill you. And you can fulfill your purpose in my hope and in my plan. And you can stand because I filled you, child. And now you can go. I know this, you won't win if you're running on empty. You won't win and you won't be a victor come December if you continue to run on empty. And you don't need a bigger faith. I feel like a lot of times we see people, and I know people in my life that when I, I feel like they have a bigger faith than me and I'll short like, I wish I had big faith like so-and-so. They always have faith. They can always believe for the big things. And Lord, you just showed me this week, you don't need to have a bigger faith. And we're going to read a scripture from Jesus that says how, faith, how big your faith really needs to be. It's not all that big. But what you need to do is you need to have better belief habits. So as soon as the, the doubts and, 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 the, and the issues and the fear begin to creep in through your thoughts, and that happens every day, all day long. When those thoughts come in, what do you do with those thoughts? Do you entertain them and live there or do you cast them down in Jesus name and say that's not a thought from God? Because if you can routinely, we said that people successful people do consistently what other people's do occasionally, if you can consistently shoot down those thoughts, you'll routinely all the time have victory. And so when you when you consistently shoot down the thoughts, no, not today, devil, that's not from you. No, not today, devil, I'm a child of the most high. No, not today, devil, I can conquer because you go before me, you're behind me, you're with me. If you can consistently beat up on the devil through faith, then the bigger faith will just be added onto you. You don't need a bigger faith, you need better belief systems and the opportunities when they come when your car breaks down how do you respond when the washer breaks down how do you respond when the kids get sick how do you respond do you go to a dark place and sit and, and waller and die and say oh god why why another thing we fixed our one car just a couple months ago got all the lights turned off the next day the other car that we've been driving has been fine the lights come on it you fix one thing, the other thing goes down. Just because you're a Christian, you're not exempt from tests, trials, and storms. But you can choose how you respond when the opportunities come. If you can consistently respond in a faith of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, and hope, then you'll have bigger faith. This is what I know about faith. Your faith grows when your beliefs become behaviors. That was really good. You should have got an amen on that. Write it down. It was for free. Your faith grows when your beliefs become behaviors. You say you believe. You say you have faith. But when the opportunity comes for you to use that faith, instead you respond, not in faith. The car breaks down you begin to get mad and angry. And maybe Pastor Ian did this. I may be preaching to myself. And Pastor Jessica, she's quick to say, hey, that ain't faith. I'm like, I know. You're not making it any better. (laughs) Just let me have my moment, okay? Here's something for free too. Hey, maybe you can respond in the right way around people. Uh, You know how to respond in faith at church. Uh Aha, you see where I'm going? But when you're at work all by yourself, something happens, how do you respond? Do you cuss? Do you get mad? Do you throw a tantrum? Because no one else is there. Guess who's there? Jesus. And that's why we need to be in relationship, not with God, but other people, because you know the most dangerous place for a sheep to be? Alone. Isolated. And so our faith grows when our beliefs become behaviors. When the opportunities come for God to get the glory. Man, give it to Him, And give it to back to the devil too as he slaps his, his, his gums at you. Oh, you're less than. Oh, is it ever going to get better? Is it, going to go, is it going to get worse? Oh, do they really love you at church? Oh, does this, does that, does this, does that? And you say, no, not today, devil. I'm a child of God. I'm going to choose faith today. I'm not just going to believe faith. I'm, my behavior is going, to re- is going to reflect what I believe. You don't need just faith for the big things. You need faith Consistent faith in the little things. When you can have consistent faith in the little things, your faith will grow. And that thing you're looking for to have faith for the big things, maybe you're single and you're waiting on a spouse, or maybe you're looking for a better house. You're, you want to have faith for those big things, but you begin to have faith for those things when you consistently have faith for the little things. The Bible definition excuse yes. me of faith... Generally found in chapter eleven of Hebrews, right? The foundational scripture, the foundational definition of what faith really is. So let's look at it. Let's read it together. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. It's really the faith chapter we call it in the Bible, and says, "Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for, and the assurance of what we do not see." So to have faith, to live in faith, means to live in hope when I feel hopeless. God sees your needs. He sees your, 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 your spiritual tests and trials. But to have faith is when I feel hopeless, I have to see and profess the hope that is not currently there yet. I have, I have to call the hope into existence. Come on, somebody. To live in faith is to see what God sees. To live in faith is to see the good and the bad. I've been in some bad situations. I've seen other people that I love and care about go through bad situations, blindsided by, by, by storms of life. I have prayed with people for, for someone that they love to live, and they've died. And it's in those moments that I have to still trust God and know that God is still good. And just because he didn't answer my prayer doesn't change who God is. And in those moments, you have to begin to see what God sees. That's what faith is. Faith is seeing what God sees. Faith is seeing the good in the the test. A lot of us praying for God to remove the test, and God wants you to go through the test. Y'all remember the story we read a couple weeks ago about Jesus going in the boat with the disciples, going across the sea, and they encountered a storm. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus could have went around the storm, Right? right? No, he took the disciples through the storm. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they by faith had to trust in God, and they were thrown into a furnace. All of us running away from our furnaces, running away from our storms, and God's like, I need you to see what I see because I'm going to do something in you through this. You're going to have some furnace moments this year. You're going to have some storms this year, and I'm not speaking death over you. I'm speaking real. Come on, somebody. You're going to be blindsided by some things this year. There are going to be opportunities for you to live and respond in faith. So, respond in faith, guys. Let's respond in faith together as the church. It's more than a building, it's a people. Living in faith changes our behavior. Living in faith changes our behavior. So do your disappointments define you or does your faith? Do your disappointments routinely define you? Every single day, I'm mad. That didn't turn out the way I I expected. That didn't turn out the way I prayed. That didn't turn out the way I would have done it, God. God. Do your disappointments define you? Do they direct your behavior? Or does your faith? And your disappointments are not God's failures. Did you know that? Your disappointments are not God's failures. They're really a reflection of our own failures, a reflection of maybe I could have done more, maybe I could have prayed harder. And on the flip side, maybe you could have done more and prayed harder and it could still not turn out the way you thought, but it doesn't change who God is. I never would have wrote my life the way it's turned out, but I'm so thankful. The things that I I needed, the things that I thought that I needed, some of them panned out, some of them didn't, but it's all worked out for my good because I've trusted God. I'm not perfect, but I've trusted God. Look at Matthew 17, 20. It says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small, say it with me, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So you don't need a bigger faith. Jesus said, you just need faith as small as this mustard seed. And I can do things in and through you that you never imagined. Now, I said some of us are maybe praying away some of our storms or furnace moments. But there are moments in your life where you're a mountain staring you in the face. And God wants you to, by faith, have the confidence to rebuke that thing. Come on, somebody. And to have faith. But the thing is, faith has to be released. Faith can't be contained. Faith has to, be, has to be expressed. It must be expressed to be manifested. It has to be expressed to manifest. You need healing. You need hope. You need deliverance. You need restoration. You have to, by faith, as you stare those mountains in the face, ask them to be cast into the sea. By faith. And Jesus says those things can be moved for you. Look at that next point. That's what I want you guys to get today. Stop describing your mountains to God. He is well aware of their current state, okay? He is well aware of what the mountain looks like, feels like. He's the creator. He's the divine architect. He probably made the mountain that's staring you in the face. Stop explaining to him Your problems and your situations and their current state because God responds to faith, not necessarily our needs. God moves when we move. If you got a neighbor, tell them this say, It's your move. If you got two neighbors, tell the other one, It's your move. God moves when we move. How do we move? We have to move in faith. We say, I'm gonna trust you, God. I'm gonna believe in you, God, for this thing. God, I'm moving by faith and hopes and trust that you're gonna move on my behalf. I do this all the time. I put God on notice. I say, You're God. You see me. You hear me. You know me. I need you. I need you to hear me and I need you to move. And I'm gonna move. I'm gonna do my part. So I'm stepping out in faith. I need you to do something. You know you can pray like that? I hope you pray like that. I think it excites God. Somebody put me on notice today, God says. Somebody put their faith in me. You know what? They put a date on me today. They said they need me to answer this prayer by June 24th, and they believe, and they moved, and so I'm going to move. They by faith believed. They had confidence. They declared, and I'm going to move. It excites God, But, but, but hear me. God doesn't want to just be your problem solver. He wants to be your refuge. I want you to write this down. Do I treat God like a genie or do I treat him like a father? Because God is not a genie just trying to magically wish away all your problems, wish away all your tests, wish away all your hurts, wish away all your worries. He wants to be a father that you run to. Because you treat a father a whole lot different than you treat a genie. And he wants to be that comfort place. He wants to help you. And he's a problem solver, I I promise you. But he wants to be your refuge. Know that your needs are not unseen. He sees your needs, believe me. So you got hurt, and you just keep living in this hurt every single day, describing this hurt to God over and over again, this mountain. You got offended. You're describing this offense every single day. God, they said this. They did this. Every day, he's like, I know what the mountain looks like. I know what happened in the event. I see your needs. I want you to get up. Your needs are not unseen If you're on God, if you're standing on the rock, if you're on God, God's on it. If you're on God, He's on it. He's on the case. He's on the issue. He's on the problem. But if you're not on God and you're on Facebook or you're on TikTok or you're standing on the wrong, ungodly relationship or you're standing on you fill in the blank, is God really working on it for you? if you're not in relationship with him. Let's look at Hebrews eleven six. I want to say this also. We as a people need to learn how to be patient. In the waiting place, you got to learn how to be patient, y'all. Put God on notice, but if you pray for a day and it doesn't happen, don't give up. If you pray for a weekend and it doesn't happen, don't give up. If you pray for a month and it doesn't happen, don't give up. If you pray for a year and it doesn't happen, don't give up. God wants to perfect peace and patience through you. The thing is, we live in a day and age where you go and order food, and if it's not there in three minutes, you're already upset. Your disappointments define your behavior. Amen. all the way that Pastor Jessica said last week, right? Do you, do, you, do you tip your servers out of the abundance of provision or your experience? Your disappointments become your behavior. You text somebody, 30 seconds later, you look, they didn't respond. Oh, they're mad at me. What are they? They're too busy for me? Oh my God! Send them a text. I want to release it. Nah, send them a t- nah then they text you forty-five seconds later. Oh, everything's all good. You believe God for one day, and nothing changes. And you try something else. Learn to be patient with God, In the waiting places. He's with you, but you got to run to Him. You got to run to Him. Experiences peace, power, and provision in the waiting places. Look at Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards. Somebody say rewards. Those who earnestly seek him, we said we need to be searching for God in everything this year, everything and everywhere. And if you earnestly seek God, you get his good and you get his hope and you get his plan. And when I earnestly seek him through faith, he rewards those who believe. You can't please God without faith. Look at Matthew 8, 5 through 13. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Let's read it together. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a sentry, and came to him asking for help, Lord, he said, My servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Does he have a mountain? He has a mountain. He has a need. He has an issue. He has a problem. Now, he describes the mountain, but he just met Jesus. So, to an extent, we have to describe our needs. But you don't need to go over and rehab. He doesn't even go into full details. He just gives them the specifics. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. I'm going to stop there for a moment. This guy recognized he's a sinner. He says, Lord, I, I'm not even, I can't even have you under my roof. I'm, I, you're God and I'm just a sinner. I want you to see what Jesus says and what Jesus does for this man. He says, but just say the word, there's where his faith comes. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places in the the feast of Abram and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown aside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, What? Go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. Jesus answered a sinner's prayer, not by his works, but but why he recognized who Jesus was and what Jesus could do, and what Jesus responded to was not who He was, but what He believed come on somebody. So you're a child of God, you believe. You've been living for Christ for 10 years. Why can't He do that for you? He loves you. He cares for you. But faith can't be contained. When you move, God moves. This centurion moved. And he had the faith to say, You don't even need to come. You don't even, I don't even need to take you. You just say the word Jesus, and I believe it'll be done. And at that very moment, it happened. We got last point for today. This year, if you can believe and live by faith, you'll see God do amazing things. With God, you can go farther than you ever imagined. No matter the conditions, this is what you got to do in your spirit, by faith you have to predecide. decide Say that with me, pre-decide. Pre- you have to pre-decide to keep running. Remember, God's grace is with you. You can have the rest of this year with no regrets if you live by faith, if you trust God. If you can trust God with your life, you can live a life with no regrets. The conditions will not always be conducive to what you're believing for. Doubts will come. Fear will come. The conducives will not always be ripe for you to continue to believe and for you to continue to run, but will you be able to continue to run? Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26. It says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way to get the prize. Guys, run. What next? What now? Run in such a way to get the prize that God has for you. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get a crown that will last, but we do get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do I not run like somebody running aimlessly? I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Paul's saying, I run with purpose. I run intentionally. When the conducives are not right for what I'm believing for, I continue to run. No man was more persecuted and harmed and hurt than Paul. He also persecuted Christians before he was born again. God calls us into the storms. We must run with determination and purpose when the conducive conditions are not conducive. Y'all don't know this, but your pastor runs about 10 miles every single week. Been doing it for over two years. I don't run them all in one day, but three or four days a week, I go and run a couple miles. I know, I work really hard to make me look this average. <laughs> when the weather's nice, I like to go to the park in ARAB and run. I like being outside. I like running. Guess what? The conditions are not always conducive for me to be able to do that. But guess what? I set my heart that day. In the morning, I'm going, this is my me time. I want to stay healthy. I want to live long and preach the gospel. I want to do what God's called me to do for as long as possible. I want to be a good father for as long as I can be. I want to be a good husband for as long as I can be. And so I'm going to go and run and do something healthy. And if it's raining, cats and dogs outside, guess what? I have a gym membership. And guess what? They have a treadmill under the roof. So I have a choice to make. Am I going to continue to do what I've committed to? Or can I just stop, roll over, not do it that day? And so I've committed in my heart. You need to commit in your heart this year, today, that you're going to run spiritually, no matter what the conditions look like. What race is God calling you to run for this year? God's wanting you to start a race. Is it a race for your marriage? Can you stay faithful? Can you run when conditions are not conducive? Is he calling you to run for your health? Does he want you to get healthy this year, to lose some weight? That's a good goal. What is it going to do to get there? Is he calling you to run the race for your kids, for your ministry, relationship, your finances? I know no matter the race, you have his grace. I want to read the last scripture today, 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. This is Paul. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, biblical scholars have a debate on what that thorn really was, but at the end of the day, it's his thorn was his persecution and his hardships. We all have them. He says, As a messenger of Satan to torment me, three times I've pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Sounds like he has a mountain, a thorn in his flesh. He's pleading with God to remove it, to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. For you, for me, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast in all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight my weaknesses in results and results in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. When you feel the weakest, you can have his strength. God sees your need. I'm going to leave you with this. He sees your need, but He will not remove something that He intends to use. God sees your needs, but He will never remove a thorn in your flesh that He intends to use for His grace. You have the power to move mountains. If you pray for a mountain long enough and it doesn't move, pray. Maybe that mountain's supposed to stay. That's supposed to be your thorn in the flesh for God's grace to be manifested in your life. You have God's grace to continue to run, to continue to believe, to continue to pray, to continue to fast, and you can have His power, His peace, and His provision. In Jesus' name, y'all pray with me. It all went a little long. Excuse me. I got you guys no matter what because we're staying and eating, right? You're like, it smells good. Hurry up, Pastor. I'm ready to eat. I hope you got some spiritual food for your soul today. First thing I want to do as we get ready to pray, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ann, I'm excited for this year. I'm a, I finished strong. Lord showed me the race He wants me to engage in next. I finished this race. I'm going to start a new one. I'm going to start today. And I'm going to begin to pray and believe. And I want to respond in in faith. I want my behaviors to change. I'm going to run for God this year. And I got his grace. His grace is with me. It's going to sustain me. If that's you, I want you just to lift your hands. Say, that's me. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run run hard. Man, hands going up. Leave them up. I want to pray for you as you get ready. So I just miss you. Lord, I pray that you would pour out an abundant grace over these hands. Abundant favor. Abundant faith. God, they don't need a bigger faith. They just need faith in the small things. I pray you'd give them faith in the small things. Faith to believe and see what you see. Faith to see the good and the bad. I pray that you would comfort them, that they'd run to you for comfort, not like a genie, but they would run to you because they love you. I pray they'd be in their word. I pray they'd be in church. I pray they'd be in spiritual activity as they run and learn and grow in the kingdom of God. Amen. You may lower those hands. Last thing I want to do is if you're here today, Sanctuary, watching us online, and you say, Pastor Ian, I've, I've never prayed that prayer to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Something you said today made me want to change my mind. I want to commit my life to Him today. I want to trust Him with my life and everything in me. When I die, I want to know that I can go to heaven because Jesus purchased my freedom on the cross. Bible says that you have to believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is and you'll be saved. So if you're here today and you want to make that decision, we're all praying and no one's looking at you, I promise. But what I want you to do is I want you to do something by faith. I said God moves when you move. So if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, all I want you to do is right now is I want you just to physically stand up. Get up out of your seat. Just stand up and uh, listen, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to your heart if God's dealing with your heart. If you want to accept Christ, I just want you to stand up proud. No one's looking at you. Just, uh, I'm standing to accept Christ. I want you to listen listen to my voice. Give a few moments. You want to make that decision. If you're watching us online and you're making that prayer with us, I want you to put something in the chat so we know you're praying that prayer, please. Say, I'm praying that prayer. I'm accepting God today. Best decision you ever made. Amen. Amen. Well, no one's standing in our sanctuary, but somebody could be praying this online. So I want to lead us all in a prayer. Say it together Heavenly Father, God, we love you. I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I confess that He is Lord of my life. Forgive me my past. Redeem my future. Send the Holy Spirit to lead my life. To you call me home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Good stuff. Who's glad you came to church today? A couple of you. Man, we're glad you came too. Come back and see us. Uh, hey, and we're about to dismiss. If you don't have nowhere to go, you want to just hang out with us, you can. We're about to eat a big old meal. We got breakfast bowls. Make sure y'all thank Josh and Christy and his awesome team that's been back there cooking today as you get your, your plates and your utensils and your food. There's plenty to go around, so eat all you want. Okay, the one thing I want to say is if you have kids and children, go pick them up first. Come back in and we'll eat. I'm going to go ahead and just pray over the food right now so that when we're done, we're going to put these curtains on both sides. We've got our tables and we can just eat. Sound good? Amen. Let's pray one more time. Now, we thank you for today. We ask that you bless this food to our body and our bodies to your service.